This is Cecil, and you're listening to the Diamond Talk Podcast presented by The Craft Factory. Now, here's Rob, Daniel, and your Shuey to bring you the latest of what's going on around the league. Welcome to Diamond Talk. Today, we got Nick and we got Rob. We're going to go through free agency part two. See some more names that might not be your tier A players, but can definitely make an impact in the in the MLB playoff race. Uh, we're also going to talk about some of the signings that just happened um, and get a little bit into the Hall of Fame, you know. So how are you guys doing? Excellent, man. Loving the offseason so far. I'm sure you are. All right, let's get let's get it started with the MVP voting. Last time, last time we were on, we didn't know who our MVPs were. Now we do. In the AL, we had Mike Trout, who, in my opinion, was the rightful winner. And in the NL, we had Cody, Be- Cody Bellinger, which means we have the two Los Angeles guys take home some hardware. How do you guys feel like the MVP voting came out? Rob, go go for it. Oh, I think I think it came out exactly how I expected it to come out. You know, for weeks now, I've been saying that uh, people were making the argument for Anthony Rendon to win MVP in the National League because of the strong season that he had. And Christian Yellick definitely backed up his MVP win with another strong season. But I've been telling people for weeks that Cody Bellinger was going to win the MVP because I, I just believe that the voting is based on narrative. And, you know, the narrative all season has been a focus on the Dodgers. It's been a focus on the first two, three months where Cody was hitting like 390. I think that focus on those first three months just overpowered the last three months. And I, I that's why I lean towards him to win the MVP. I pretty much I pretty much came out with the idea. Listen, as long as he hits 300 and hits, you know, 40, whatever home run, then the Dodgers make a good postseason. Um, then, yeah, like he was going to win MVP. Um, for Mike Trout in the AL, no surprise there. Same thing I've been telling people. It's the best player in baseball winning the award. He should have about five or six now. Um, if we're going to be honest, you know, we're always going to be able to get into the conversation of best player, best player in the game versus best player for a particular season. But I, I just think the award as a, as a whole has just changed in recent years. So I'm not really too surprised that Trout came out winning it this year. Yeah, as far as Cody Bellinger, I'm not going to say I'm surprised. I will say I'm disappointed. I feel that regardless of what definition you give most valuable player, you can't stink it up down the stretch and still win it. That's just that's just me. And then as far as Trout, you know, I, he's the best player in the game. I think it's he kind of suffers from like LeBron syndrome, where he's so good that he has to be better than he was last year, even though he's exponentially better than all the other players. Which uh, he was. Which he was yeah, though. Which he, in, in all fairness. Yeah, Nick, how, how do you feel the MVP voting came out? Uh, I think the AL was, it's just too easy. I mean, somebody's going to have to have just uh, an all-time year to beat Trout. And Bregman came real close, but, I mean, even with less games, Trout did it. And this, it really wasn't even close. He's just running circles around everybody over there. Um, I'm glad we're doing the MVP, specifically because I, I really looked into the numbers on the NL side. Uh, I really thought, I mean, going into this before looking up some some numbers, I thought Rendon was the guy. But then looking at overall, because <clears throat> I, I saw Bellinger fall off through the year like everybody else did. And I'm thinking, okay, it's just the L.A. guy. He's got the bigger market. He, you know, he's the talk of the town. I'm not a big war guy, but he did have a war that was two more than either Yellick or Rendon. So that, that says something. Whether I believe it or not, it still says something. But he led... Uh, the National League in home, uh, no, sorry, total bases, which to me is a big stat because 
you can all the home runs you want, but if you're not hitting singles and doubles, what difference does it make? And the weird thing to me is I looked and Bellinger had four months hitting under 300. Not that solid, but so, Rendon had two months hitting under 300 and he was worse in September and October, or sorry, August, September, October than Bellinger. So when we're talking about Bellinger falling off down the stretch, well, Rendon did too. He just had a hotter July. And Yellick, I think, is he was the best player in the National League, but missing that many games at the end of the year really hurt him. But he was the better player. He led the NL in average on-base percentage, slugging, and OPS. And I think he would have killed everything that Bellinger was doing had he had those last few games because Bellinger had 26 more games with a full more month. So Bellinger, I hate to say it because he is a Dodger, but he, he definitely deserved the award way over Rendon. And I just wish Yellick wouldn't have gotten hurt so we could have seen a real race. So, so Nick, I didn't know this. I didn't know that you had a, a, an MVP vote. Apparently, there was a one Kevin Pillar vote in the in the MVP race. Uh, how do you feel about that, man? I mean, Kevin Pillar, I, I don't think by anyone's stretch of the imagination deserved any MVP votes. You're, you're a Giants fan. <laughs> what can you tell me about that? Oh, man, you know, that's what writers get to do. They get to throw stuff in there whenever they want when they know it doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, I don't think that one vote swayed anything. But, I mean, hey, you know, why not? I love Pilar. I hope he comes back. But uh, it, it, it's unfortunately, it shows how much of a joke these systems can be. But luckily, the right person won it. So it's not going to throw anything off on that. But, yeah, that that was comical seeing that. That was just that was too much. Dude, that would have been the upset of the century. I would, I don't even know if Vegas would have odds for that. Like, you'd probably win a billion dollars <laughs> if you bet like one. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think I asked in the group. Shut down uh, the whole sport the, at that point. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I asked in the group if anybody had the betting odds for Cy Young for next year, and everybody's like, "Nah, Vegas don't have that yet." Yeah, they didn't have Pilar in any sort of odds. That's well, you sure. know what? Maybe you should you put the early one in on Pilar. Maybe he gets on the mound this year too. <laughs> yeah. Moving on to, to some more voting controversy that always happens. The Hall of Fame ballot was released today, and we have some of the big names, um, guys like Derek Jeter, who we expect to get in first ballot. Uh, then we have some guys that are a little bit more of a conversation. Guys like Bobby Abreu, who wasn't the most popular player, but his analytic numbers kind of warrant him being in that first ballot conversation. Then you have World Series champions like Josh Beckett, Cliff Lee, uh, you know, and then you have other just solid players like Eric Chavez, for caught Giambi and Hawker Nerko. Guys, what, what was your impression when you guys saw the, the Hall of Fame ballot come out today? Uh, Nick, let me know what you what you have. Um, I think it's going to be tough this year. Um, I mean, same thing with the, the Hall of Fame. is It can be a joke. I mean, I think it's a joke. I don't respect the Hall of Fame with Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens not being in there. I can't. I can't put any sort of credit to it. Regardless of what they chose to do, those two were, I mean arguably the best player ever definitely the best you know hitter ever on one side and then are very arguably the best pitcher ever i mean he's got seven roger Clemens has seven cy youngs barry punts has seven mvps like how do you keep those guys out how is that even a thought in your mind to keep those guys out so aside from that i was really interested to see a lot of the names if if it were my ballot i get really close towards the end and Cliff Lee, I loved watching him play, especially in the postseason. And I go back and look at his career; it's he's not good enough. He's not an, he's not a Hall of Fame pitcher. So for me, he stays off. Um, 
I don't think Abreu is a Hall of Famer. Definitely not first ballot when you have guys like uh, Larry Walker sitting out there. Uh, you have guys like, for me, Gary Sheffield should be in. Even I'm not a big fan of relief pitchers. As far as going to the Hall of Fame, they're, they're too specialized. But Billy Wagner was a game changer. He deserves to be in. Uh, so it's it's going to be close. I think this is going to be one of the closest votes that there are in any years. Jeter's the obvious one. He's going to get in. I don't think he gets in with 100%, but he'll definitely get in. I think this is the year that maybe Bonds and Clemens gets in because there's going to be so much voting going on against other guys that they might sneak in. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on the same level. I feel like this is one of the weaker classes we've had in the last few years. And if there's ever a class where, where guys like Bonds, where guys like Clemens, someone like Manny Ramirez can make some headway on getting in finally, this is probably the class to do it. You have a lot of mid-tier guys, guys who had moments, guys who definitely had moments, but guys who didn't sustain it throughout their career. Rob, where, where do you have the Hall of Fame? Do you, you know, do you think Derek Jeter maybe is a guy who gets in unanimously? I personally don't think he will, but you know, what are your thoughts on that? and just the overall ballot itself. Yeah, it was an interesting uh, set of names that came out today. I think Jeter's not getting in with 100% of the votes. He'll, de- he'll I have him around the 95 range. Um, but, you know, I agree. I agree with Nick in the sense that I'm a guy that roots for Clemens and Bonds to be in the Hall of Fame simply because the way that I view the Hall, I view it as a kind of like a record of the game. You know, and you can't really tell the story of the game of baseball without a Roger Clemens or a Barry Bonds. So I definitely think that those two guys should be in there. But I'm going to tell you this. I think that Derek Jeter is going into the Hall of Fame this year by himself. I think he's going to be the only candidate that gains entry um, and gets the 75% that's necessary to get in. Um, the three the three closest guys to him from, pre- from previous ballots are Schilling, Clemens, and Bonds. Schilling sitting at around 60, almost 61%. And Clemens and Bonds are both sitting at 59. I don't see any three of them making the jump to 75%. And here's the thing, where I go a little different um, from what you guys were saying, I think because Derek Jeter is going into the Hall of Fame this year is a reason that Bonds and Clemens won't be going into the Hall. Because I think that the writers are set up in such a way that... I think, I think a lot of people view Derek Jeter as like the opposite of what Bonds and Clemens were. You know, like, unfortunately, Bonds and Clemens are tied to PED use. Derek Jeter is not. Derek Jeter is seen as like a role model, the face of the game for a lot of decades. And I don't think that writers will necessarily want to form the connection between Clemens and Bonds and Jeter in this class. So I see Jeter going in um, this year by himself. Yeah, and that's something you definitely see. Baseball and baseball writers specifically they're all about the narrative. They're, they're all about what makes situation special. And you're right. Someone like Derek Jeter getting in while keeping out, you know, the steroid guys, it, it's something that they may want, may want to do. So I can totally, I can totally see that. I think, um, you know, other names that we didn't mention, it's not their first time on the ballot, but someone like Billy Wagner, who was, you know, an absolute stud when he pitched, but he doesn't really get the hall of fame credit he deserves. So we'll see about that. You know, guys like Bobby Brayu who, the analytic numbers absolutely love Bobby Abreu. He's a guy who got on base. He's a guy who his OPS was through the roof, you know what I mean? And he's one of those guys that um, 15 years from now, maybe something like analytic people are screaming about that he should be in. But, you know, I kind of agree with you guys, the fact that he didn't do anything that was super special, you know, that you can say, oh, that, that that's really important. So. No, we'll see. Um, as it gets closer to the Hall of Fame voting, we'll have a lot more on it. We'll have our own ballots 
uh, coming out too. All right, with that being said, let's move on to free agency. You know, last episode, we talked about the big names, the guys that we know are going to be demanding that big money, the guys that are going to be the headliners. You know, free agency part two, we're going to be talking more about role players, guys who still have some name value, but aren't going to get those big contracts, or at least those monster contracts like some of the guys last week. Um, You know, let's start off with a guy who had some ups and had some really, really big lows in Marcelo Zuna. You know, if you remember Marcelo Zuna from last year, you remember his bombs and you remember his absolutely play, absolutely terrible play in left field where he tried a Spider-Man catch that fly ball and he ended up overrunning it by about 10 feet. Uh, so, uh, Nick, we're going to start with you. Where do you have Azuna going? Where do you see the market like Azuna being like? I think Azuna is going to get hurt by the qualifying offer. I see him going back to the Cardinals and only getting like $15 million a year. I think he gets three years. He's, he's only 29, so he might get a little bit extended contract, but he's been so inconsistent. And I mean, the two players where he climbs the wall and the ball ends on the warning track, it, it, he's never been known for defense, but that's going to show a little bit. I, I think the the draft pick that's tied to him is going to really hurt him, and he's going to get he's going to get a little bit under what I think he's worth. He's probably worth $20, 21000000 million a year for four years, but I think he stays with the Cardinals on a lower deal. He said he liked playing in St. Louis, so I can totally see that happening. If he doesn't stay in St. Louis, I'm actually thinking the Padres. They've got just – they don't have much experience in the outfield besides Will Myers. Will Myers might get traded, in my opinion. I think he might be a good backfield there to kind of solidify the outfield for them. Rob, where do you guys are going? Yeah, I completely agree with that. I have him staying in St. Louis um, for the reasons that Nick said. I think the qualifying offer, I, you know, that kind of ruined his market. I don't think a team is going to be willing to give up a draft pick uh, for signing him. I have him in that 45 to $55 million range. And, you know, I, I probably see, I, even though I see him staying in St. Louis, I could also see another NL Central team and the Cincinnati Reds possibly making a run at him. I, for some reason, I just have the Reds, like, in my mind with a lot of uh, free agent outfielders this year. I just think they're going to end up making a play for, like, a corner outfielder to keep strengthening that team. Yeah, I think I think the corner outfield spot is one of those places that's getting hurt by not only things like a qualifying offer, but the fact that it seems like it's so plug and play. You know, we see guys, you know, the corner outfield spot is probably the most interchangeable, you know, just looking at as far as contracts and guys who go in and, and are successful. And whether it's defensively or offensively, it seems like that's the one position that veterans are getting hurt the most. And last year, that was Adam Jones. I feel like this year, I mean, Adam Jones can be hurt again by it, but also a guy like Azuna, if he doesn't take that qualifying offer, I don't think he's going to get that, you know, big contract that he might have gotten if this was two years ago. Um, next guy, uh, we're going to talk, we're going to go to the mound. Now, this guy was, you know, he pitched on a contending team. He's had his ups and downs. Last year's was kind of uh, full of ups. He's been the fourth guy in his rotation. But for a lot of scouts, he has number one type stuff. I'm talking about Zach Wheeler. And, you know, Rob, I know that last year, those conversations about the Yankees possibly making a play for him. Uh, what do you see happening with Zach Wheeler? Listen, man, I don't, I honestly don't know what the scouts are looking at. Like, if I'm going to be completely honest with you, like, I think he's going to get his money because, uh, because of the market. I do have him possibly getting anywhere from like 80 to $100 million for four or five years. But all that talk of him going to the Yankees is an absolute no. Like, Zach Wheeler's probably one of, one of the guys that's on my shortlist of guys where I'm just like, no, 
That is a waste of money for the Yankees. Any other team can go get him. But look, he has big injury history. I don't care that he's coming off his one solid year. Like his, yeah, if you look into his numbers, they show that they're a little better than what his like base numbers might show. But I have him staying in the National League. I think it would be in his best benefit to stay in the National League. He could potentially end up with a team like the Phillies, who are who are a team that's weak in pitching. They might see him as a guy. Um, they might overhype him. I don't see him any being anything more than a number three starter for any team. Uh, but you know, I haven't I haven't ended up with the Phillies, possibly in Milwaukee. And if he decides to go to the AL, I could see a team like the Texas Rangers, who might be looking for some additional pieces, taking a chance on him since they did take chance on guys like Mike Miner and Lance Lynn, and it paid off for them last year. Yeah, Zach Lewis, one of those guys where you're right. Like the scouting hasn't matched up with the numbers he's put out. This was his best season, but you know, people love his spin rate. People love, you know, like hit where where where, where the ball can drive his arm slot. You know, th- things like that go into Wheeler's favor. But you're right, like he hasn't produced. Uh, Nick, you're you're kind of our resident pitching expert here, man. What what do you think about Zach Wheeler and where he might end up? Yeah, I, Zach Wheeler is probably the most interesting free agent to me because he's really going to be reliant on where Cole and Bumgarner and Strasburg go. But he's probably going to sign earlier because he doesn't have the big agent who's trying to get the big bucks. So it's it's really interesting if he wants to take his money early. And I'm pretty familiar with him because he was a giant. The Giants traded Carlos Beltran uh, or tried, traded Zach Wheeler for Carlos Beltran back in the day. And I love his arm, man. He's got one of the best arm talents in the game. And it's just been injury after injury after injury, which says a lot, especially for a pitcher. But if you think about it, everybody in the Mets has been injured almost every year. And I don't think that the Mets don't have a good training staff, and that's led to his injuries. So I see a contending team going for him in the AL. I see him either going to the White Sox, the Twins, or the Angels. And I see him three years, 65 to $70 million is what I think he gets. And I think he gets the shorter contract. He's only 29, but he's had that injury history. So it might be, you know, a, a three-year deal with two club options after that to get him up in the, the 90 to $100 million range. But I really see the White Sox, Twins, or Angels making a big push for him. I, I think he's out of the National League, um, even though it helps him out a lot. But I think those three teams because they're going to be contending, look at him to deepen the rotation instead of being that stud guy. Wait, so you have him, so you think Zach Wheeler gets close to 30 million a year? No, no, no. Three years, 66 million. Oh, my bad. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm bad at numbers, yeah. man. I'm no, like... it's all good. Yeah, I think he's going to get about 22 million a year uh, to start with. He might get like two club options that could get him to the five years, $90 million range, but I think he's going to be about 22 million a year. Wow, that's, you know, that's still, in my opinion, that's still kind of high, but you know what? Arms are one of those things where, especially after we saw this World Series, arms are going to be, they're going to be hot on the market. So I can definitely see someone overpaying for him. But yeah, wow, Zach Wheeler. But three years isn't that long. It doesn't, it doesn't bind you in. You can get out of that real quick. And if you do club options for the next two years to sweeten it for the player, if he does well, then it makes it all worthwhile. But three years, 66 million today's game is, is not much. And all the teams, I mean, the White Sox and the Twins, their their contracts aren't very high right now. They don't have a lot on the books. The Angels are the only one that really has a lot on the books, but that's coming off over the next two to three years. So uh, it is a lot, but he is a. I mean, his arm talent is elite as far as the way he throws the ball, and that's what a lot of teams are going to look for. And the parody in baseball is so good. I saw a meme the other day that it was the last six years the World Series champion has come from every division once. 
and that yeah, just goes yeah. to show you that just goes to show you how like one guy no matter how big or small could really turn it around for you and so i think he's going to be worth it all right let's, th- let's let's stick with the arms cuz for me this guy is another interesting arm you know even though i think he stays with his current team i do think if he tested the market it would be interesting to see what kind of suitors he has i'm talking about Kinjin Ru you know he had a Cy Young caliber season this year he finished just short of winning that. But Nick, let's say a few because you see him a lot more than anybody else with him facing the, the Giants so often. You know, what do you think about Hinjin Ru and where he's going, what kind of money he might get? I see him real short deal because he's 32 years old, so he's a little bit older. Um, I see like two years, 40 million. I see him staying with the Dodgers. I just, he works so well with them. Uh, they know how to use him. He's been not Cy Young effective, but he's been really effective his whole career there. He's just had so many injuries. And last year, he did a lot of offseason working out. He hired a nutritionist so that his weight came down and he could make it through the whole year more. And he still had an injury, but he did better. The Dodgers can afford it. They know what they get with them, so they're going to be reliable. If it doesn't go with the Dodgers, I still see him two years, $40 million. I just don't see him getting a long deal. But I see him going to the Rangers. He's made comments about playing with, with Chu over there having two uh, Korean-born players on the same team, I think it's going to spark his interest. So him saying that shows me he's maybe not really playing the market too much unless somebody really blows it out of the water for him. I don't. I just don't see it at his age and his injury history. Yeah, Nick, man, what do you have? What do you have? What do you see happening with Hyunjin Ryu? You know, do you think there's any chance he leaves the Dodgers? And if he if he does, what do you think he could happen for him? Yeah, if you I mean, mean Rob? Think- yeah. Yeah, my bad. I'm Rob. Sorry about that. I, I think I think he ends up staying with the Dodgers. I I agree. I think he's gonna get a short short term deal. I see two to three years in that twenty million a year range. Um, yeah, I think he's just too familiar with the Dodgers. They know they know how to work with him there. They're gonna be able. He slots really well into that rotation. Like you know, in the in that rotation, you're kind of protected because he has Clayton Kershaw and Walker Bueller around him. So. You know, the last thing I would want for him is for him to go to like another team and be reliant as the number one guy and then get exposed where like with the Dodgers, you kind of have that protect. Yeah, and, and I can totally see that with you and Jin Ru. I really I really don't see him leaving the Dodgers. All right, let's let's move on to some offense now. For me, this is the the best hitter coming out on the market. Even with guys like Donaldson, this is the guy I'm the most interested in from an offensive standpoint. I'm talking about Nicholas Castellanos. Rob, what do you have on Nicholas Castellanos? Where do you think he ends up in, you know, to start the season? Castellanos is a tough one because I think I think he's gonna have he's gonna have a lot of got a lot of teams um, looking for his services. You know, he, there's another one of those corner outfielders. I think there's gonna be a lot of teams after him but you know what i see the white Sox making a run at him i think the white Sox. i think the white Sox are a team that after having all these young guys start developing i think the white guys are going to be the white Sox are going to be looking for some veterans you know they're going to be looking um they're going to be looking for some more pieces to add for that team i could also see him maybe ending up back in chicago with the cubs you know staying with the cubs staying in that chicago area but i have the white Sox as the number one team going after him right now my, my thing with Castellanos is he's kind of limited. He's kind of limited defensively. Like, I don't see him. He's not. I call him J.D. Light, not only because I think the, the bat plays, but isn't as good as J.D.'s. But I do feel, even though he's a little bit better defensively than J.D., 
you know, it, it was still hard to find him a position. You know, he went from third base to first base to the outfield, and he didn't really have a home. So, so you're right. I think he's one of the harder guys to figure out. Um, Nick, do you, do you have any interest in maybe the Giants getting Castellanos, or where do you think he goes? Nah, I don't. I hope the Giants don't play at any any free agents this year. They're 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 in the wrong mode to try to go get somebody. But uh, I think he stays in the Windy City in, with the Cubs. Uh, he seemed to be real happy there. He fit in well. Uh, I know last time we talked, I said Contreras going to get traded, and I think either Bryant or Rizzo get traded. So from the money standpoint, I think they take a Castellanos, and you said JD Light. I think he gets the same contract: five years, one hundred, one hundred ten million dollars. If he doesn't go to the Cubs. I see him going to the Reds because I, their outfield isn't set by any stretch of the imagination. His bat's going to play there real well. And the Reds have never really been much to worry about defense. So I think he stays in the NL Central between either the Reds or the Cubs. And yeah, like, you know, Castellanos, he's going to be really interesting because we saw it. He At points this year, he was, the, he was the Cubs' best bat once he got traded. So he's definitely someone that's interesting. You know, I don't see him have, having the same pop as someone like JD, but other than that, offensively, he's he's definitely not a bad player at all. Uh, let's stick in the outfield. Let's talk about a former Red, uh, Yasiel Puig. And Yasiel Puig is a weird player because everyone knows him for how exciting he is, the talent you can see it, but he just doesn't produce. Uh, Nick, where do you have Puig going? What do you have happening with him? I think he stays in Cleveland. Uh, I. I think they make a play for him because he's not going to be that expensive. Um, he's going to be, talent-wise, he's the same as Marcelo Zuna offensively and better defensively. But his shenanigans on the field, his his flair, I think in baseball eyes and front office eyes, doesn't really rub anybody the right way. So I, I see the Indians maybe making a play for him because I do think they get rid of Kluber. I think they trade away Kluber. Um, and they're going to trade away, I believe, Lindor for a big haul. And I think that Puig could be a guy that still piques fans' interest because fans love him, unless you play against him. But fans of his teams love him. I think he's going to be that guy, maybe kind of the franchise guy. I, For some crazy reason, I also see the Giants in play. With all of the history there, I, I see the Giants in play for Puig because he would be a perfect addition in right field with that arm and the way he can patrol the outfield and his power plays in any park even in san francisco i crazy but he might go to san francisco that's my that would be my number two choice for him my thing with Puig, i think he gets a short-term deal i think he gets one of those kind of prove prove that you can do it for a season and you know make that big money after that you know so he like you said he's a great defender he actually went from his maturation went from Someone who I don't want the ball getting hit near because he's gonna make some he's gonna make a stupid decision to really playing above average to gold glove defense. And we saw that in his last season with the Dodgers. And that kind of continued on the last the last couple seasons. Um, yo, Rob, I know for me, someone Yasio Puig seems like a good guy to plug in if you can't really get one of the big guys. And I think and I think he's someone that fits your team because he's defensively and you know, at Yankee Stadium, maybe he can do something crazy. Would you have any interest in Yasiel Puig? I wouldn't have immediate interest in Yasiel Puig at the moment, but I think I think I would say about Puig that I see him ending up on a contender this year, but there's the key. I see him ending up on a contender by the end of the season. I think that to start the season, 
like you said, I think he's going to get a one-year deal around that $10 million range to kind of prove himself. And I think he's going to end up going to one of the teams that are currently in a rebuild. You know, Nick mentioned the Indians, but I'm thinking maybe like a team like the Detroit Tigers in that same division. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of teams, especially in the AL, because you have the DH slot there. You can you can put them in there for some games. But, you know, teams like the Tigers, the Orioles, the Royals, like those teams that ended up near the bottom. I see him going to one of those teams. And if he's proven himself halfway through the season, I see him getting traded to a contender. Yeah, no, and I can see. And the thing, with, the thing with Puig, the kind of year that like Jorge Soler had, that's a year that I wouldn't be surprised if we said, oh, Yasiel Puig had that year. Obviously, it wasn't Puig, but, you know, I think where the talent lies right now, it wouldn't be ridiculous if we saw maybe not the crazy ass 47 home runs, but if we have, if we see a 30 home run season, I think it's the craziest thing. All right, let's go. Let's go two guys together. Let's try, let's try to go through these guys a little quicker. Uh, we got D.D. Gregorius. Uh, he didn't take the qualifying offer. I mean, the Yankees didn't offer him. Um, they didn't give him an offer. So what do you see? What do you see happening with D.D., Rob? Uh, Didi's tricky, man. Uh, I, there's all there's been all this talk since the Yankees didn't give him the qualifying offer that Didi's gonna end up on on the Cincinnati Reds. I can easily see him ending up on the Cincinnati Reds, but I'm just gonna quickly say that I think I think he ends up signing, re-signing with the Yankees again, and I and I feel like the Yankees are gonna end up using him as a trade piece for Francisco Lindor down the line. Yeah, that, I don't think that's, cra- that's the craziest thing. Uh... Nick, how, where do you think Mike Moustakis goes? I know you're a fan of him. You've spoken about it before, how you can play third base, second base. Where do you see What do you see happening with Mike Moustakis? I see him sticking with the Brewers. I think he was a good fit for them. They like him. He's going to be affordable enough for them. Um, so I think he sticks with the Brewers. Do you think he gets that long term, or do you think he's going to be another? I think, he gets, four, I think yeah. he gets four years, $80 million. Oh, wow. Okay. That's not, that's not crazy. That's not bad. All right, let's go one last guy. Um, the reason this guy's last is just because I think he, it's also very interesting where he might end up. I've heard as recently as today as somewhere almost like the Blue Jays possibly taking this guy, which wouldn't be the craziest thing. Blue Jays aren't as far as as people may may think about it right now. But I'm talking about Dallas Keuchel. Last year he was he he suffered because of that uh, qualifying offer. He ended up not getting signed until June. It didn't affect him, but you know we we've seen it affect other guys. We'll start with you, Nick. What do you see happening with Dallas Keuchel? Man, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's going to want this guy at his age. Um, he wants a long-term deal, so it's going to be a team that can afford to do that. That's not going to put too much money into starting pitching. So, I mean, I think the Mets lose Zach Wheeler for sure. So, I, I for some reason, I feel like he might go to the Mets just to keep their starting staff uh, up there. So, I, I, I would say the Mets. What about you, Rob, man? Where do you see Kako going? Yeah, I, I don't see him I don't see him getting a long-term deal either. I think he, signed, he ends up signing a two-year deal with a team like the White Sox or even, even a team like the Phillies. You know, the Phillies keep coming up in conversation. I, I have a team like the Phillies. They, they really need to acquire some type of pitching. So Dallas Kako is a guy that you can per- perfectly give two years to and maybe put him in there as your number three or number four guy. Yeah, I think, you know, Keiko hurts. It, it hurts Keiko that he doesn't throw 90, 95 anymore. You know what I mean? And the way the, the game is going, everyone's looking for that high velocity guys to get strikeouts. But hey, man, we saw it last year. Dallas Keiko still got huge outs for the Braves. So I think he's one of those guys who was getting a little bit undervalued. Um, I don't think it's the craziest thing to see him some end up somewhere for, you know, three years, maybe 12 a year. 
But we'll, we'll see with that. There's a lot of teams that can use arms at this point. All right, we'll be right back. When we come back, we're going to be talking about some of the big trades that we're expecting this offseason. And we're also going to play a fun little game of start, bench, cut. Uh, we'll be right back. Stay where you are. Y 
Balvin, me, yeah, Bad Bunny José Benito, tú sabes cómo es José Benito, let's go Hey guys, so when you listen to the podcast and you hear the title SSAW Live Sports Podcast presented by the Craft Factory, you're probably wondering, what does the SSAW stand for? Well, it stands for Specialized Sports Analysis Worldwide. It's a huge Facebook group community that only talks about sports all day, every second, every hour. And from there, make sure that you type in the letters SSAW or just type in the full name Specialized Sports Analysis Worldwide on Facebook. When you click on it, make sure you put a request in. One of the founders will click on your request. And from there, you join a huge community that loves to simply talk about sports every day and every second. We talk about a wide variety of things from basketball to football to soccer to everything, you name it, even world wrestling entertainment, everything under the sun. We love to talk about it because we simply just love sports. So again, it's a Facebook group, a huge community that's waiting for you. Make sure you type that name in and we'll welcome you wholeheartedly. Welcome to SSAW. All right, welcome back to Diamond Talk. We're here with Rob and Nick still. You know, part of the offseason fun isn't just free agency. A lot of times guys get traded and we see these monster offseason trades. We haven't had one in recent history, but this year we have a lot of big names that the possibility of moving seems almost certain. You know, we're going to start off with a guy who's a World Series champion. He's an MVP. And he was a guy of a lot of discussion this past this past season. I'm talking about Mookie Betts, a guy who is going to have a lot of suitors if he is available. Um, Rob, you're the, you're the guy in the AL East that had to face this guy about 17 times a year. What do you think happens with Mookie Betts? And do you think, do you think the Red Sox are even, are making a mistake by even, you know, offering up? Yeah, they're, they're, I think the Red Sox are making a huge mistake. I I think it's very tough when you start talking about guys who are considered top five, top 10 position players in the game. Obviously, if you put up a guy like that for a trade, you're expecting to get a huge package in return which the Red Sox might very well get if they started offering him up to teams like the Dodgers who have, you know, who are who are pretty much loaded with prospects. You know, I'm not letting Mookie Betts go for for anything that's not like, you know, two or three prospects in the game or, you know, like like top prospects within a within a team's pipeline. But, you know, I do think he ends up he ends up getting traded and the team that I'm going to throw out where he goes is going to be a wild one. It's going to be a wild one. It's going to be a long shot, but I'm going to say that Mookie Betts ends up on the New York Mets. Oh, my God. He ends up on the Mets. I think the Mets, this, this is the reason why. I think the Mets are just at the point where I'm kind of looking at them, and I'm like, make this trade and go for it. Go for a World Series title. You have Syndergaard. You have DeGrom. You have Stroman. I mean, you have Alonzo, like, you have the guys ready now. We don't know how many more years of elite pitching you're going to get from DeGrom, who just won his second Cy Young. You kind of have to take advantage of the position you're in now. Adding team would be a huge boost for them. I know I would personally love to see Mookie in New York. I think um, he is a character in the game. We've seen how, how good of an athlete he is through Instagram and through things like that. And, you know, I personally always thought that 
Boston did not do a great job of marketing him as well as they could have. When you have a guy like Mookie who is so multi-talented, man, you could have him do do amazing things for, for your team and just from, you know, from a business standpoint, man, that's someone that you can really get behind. Nick, what do you see happening with Mookie? I think the perfect trade partner for the Braves, or sorry, for the Red Sox is the Braves. They've got the arms to replenish the Red Sox staff. Now they have all kinds of closers after signing Will Smith. So they have bullpen, they have starting, and they have enough outfield to give them a couple of pieces. But mostly it's going to be the pitching coming back and very young, very controllable. We're talking guys that are four years away from arbitration that go over there and probably start on the Red Sox starting staff right now. So I, I think the Braves are the, the number one choice for a good trade partner for them. I, you obviously have the Dodgers who are going to be in trade talks for everybody, but I don't see the Dodgers being able to sign bets long-term, which if you're going to go get bets, you're going to try to get them for the long-term. So the Braves have the money to sign them long-term. They have the team that'll be successful with them, and they have this talent to give back to make the Red Sox say, yeah, we can't pass this up. Yeah, you know, so here's the thing with like the Dodgers trying to get them. We've seen it before. I don't think the Dodgers have like that killer instinct of, hey, look, we're one guy away, or maybe if we had this, we're so much above it. Because think about an outfield where you have Gold Glover Cody Bellinger, you have Gold Glover Moody, um, Mookie Betts, you know, and you have whoever else you want out there, whether it be Verdugo, maybe Kiki still, Chris Taylor, a- AJ Pollock, if you're still trying to experiment with that. But, you know, the point is that I think the Dodgers are in a position where they don't want to trade their prospects. We just saw it this year where they could have had a frontline closer who obviously at the time we didn't know his legal situation. But when, you know, when Felipe Vasquez was available, man, that was a guy that could have been a game changer for them, you know, had he not gotten in trouble and all that stuff. Um, you know, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Mookie. He's going to... Yeah, the difference on that, the difference on that though with you're talking about a reliever in the mid-year versus Mookie Betts to Rob's point, top five or top 10 player in the game who's 27. I, I don't think... I, I see what you're saying because it's also not the Dodgers' MO to make that big trade. But we've never really seen a guy like this available in the last couple of years for trade with two years under control, so young, so good. I, I, I do think the Dodgers make a serious play. I just don't think they're going to be able to put together the package or be able to resign him with the money they have invested in other players. You know what, though? But just like you said, he's a top 10 player. I don't know what team is capable of putting together a package like that, you know, other than the Dodgers or, you know, maybe the Astros at one point. But they're not in position to do something like that either. So we'll see where Mookie goes, man. It's going to be an interesting one. Uh, the next one, and I kind of already know where Rob wants him to go, so we're going to start with Nick. What do you see happening with Francisco Lindor? And, is, you know, and these are two names where it's crazy that they're even in trade conversations, in my opinion. But what do you see happening with Francisco Lindor, Nick? I don't, I don't even want to say this out loud. It's going to hurt me to say it out loud. Uh, I, might, I might go, uh, I don't know, drink way too much tonight after saying this out loud. But since we're assuming these guys are getting traded and we're talking about trading partners, it doesn't get any better than the Dodgers. They can give back a shortstop that's under control and going to be cheaper. And Corey Seager, who's clearly not Lindor, but is decent enough. They can give back outfielders. They can give back arms. And the difference between, for me, Francisco Lindor and Mookie Betts going to the Dodgers is that the Dodgers outfield is so platoon happy with so many guys and their infield isn't. And Lindor, who is my second favorite player in the game, only behind Arenado, is he's an LA character. He's got the smile. He's got the hair. He's got the talk. He's got the play. It 
it's such a perfect fit. It makes me sick. I don't even know if I'm gonna be able to sleep tonight after saying this. Yeah, no, you dude, you hit the, you hit it right in the head, man. If you have Lindor in like a market like that, it's just better for baseball too. Yeah. The fact that the fact that Lindor isn't one of the most popular athletes, not just baseball players, one of the most popular athletes in America right now is absolutely sickening because you know us as an industry in major, in major league baseball we're not doing a good job of making sure that our best and our brightest are out in front of the cameras man because he, he's a guy that brings excitement to the game and rob it's your, it's your turn man just let us know how the yankees are gonna get are, are gonna get uh lindor because i know that's where he's going for you listen if francisco lindor ends up in a dodgers jersey i will literally throw up everything i have inside <laughs> me too i'm right there with that you will, that will be absolutely disgusting that's not that's not gonna happen He's gonna look a lot better in pinstripes, okay? Like Lindor's going to the Yankees. He's going. He's going to the Yankees. Plain and simple. The Yankees have had their eyes on Lindor for about what seems like two or three years now, since he really became a prominent figure in the league. You know, like I like I mentioned earlier, the Yankees let go of D, of Didi Gregorius. Now I think that there's a possibility that he might that they might re-sign him to you know some type of short-term deal to include him in a package, but. You know what? I think that the Yankees are also seen as a bit of a dark horse to acquire Francisco Lindor because I don't think people think that the Yankees have as luxurious as trade pieces as some other teams. And that's totally understandable. It doesn't mean that the Yankees can't put a package together. I mean, you're talking about, if let's say, for example, they bring back Gregorius. You're talking about a package that can include Didi Gregorius, Miguel Andujar, because I think they're ready to move on from him. The t- their top pitching prospect is Debbie Garcia. You can throw in another piece like Clint Frazier or Estevan Florial. I mean, the Yankees have some pieces that can get this deal done if they really push for it. They might not seem like the favorite, but I don't think the Yankees let a team like the Dodgers acquire Francisco Lindor without a fight. I, I think because of where the, where the Indians are, and just kind of their situation. We were mentioning about trade partners and, you know, right now I mentioned the Yankees and the Dodgers, but there's a lot of guys that the that the Indians want to get rid of. You know, we t- uh, Nick mentioned before when with like uh, Corey Kluber. I think this might be a trade that has to involve multiple teams. You know, they, they have pitching to give away. They have Elon Door to give away and they're going to want a lot of pieces back. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. If we see a three-team, maybe even a four-team trade when it comes to to Lindor and and uh, Corey Kluber, but yeah, man, I I would love to see Lindor in a, in a big market, whether that be L.A. or New York. Man, like the game, Mookie Betts too. The game needs to do a better job of promoting these guys because for many people, these guys are the faces of what's relevant. So I, I want to see that happen more. And you know, we we know Mike Trout's the best player in the game, but. He's not someone who likes being in front of the cameras. And I don't think Lindor has that problem, personally. All right, guys. He loves the camera. He does love the camera, man. That's a billion-dollar smile. Man, if I had those teeth. Anyway, enough about enough about, about that. Um, all right, guys, give me a trade that we haven't talked about that you see happening or that, that may happen. Uh, Rob, we'll start with you, man. What do you see something that's, that's happening that's kind of going under the radar right now? All right, even though this guy's not going to be as impactful of a player as a Lindor Betts, as we talked about, because, you know, usually you don't hear about those guys being up for trade. I think a guy that could get traded this offseason is Starling Marte. I think, like I mentioned before, I think there's a lot of teams that are looking for outfielders, and Starling Marte is kind of, he's kind of in a weird situation right now. He's on the Pirates. The Pirates are just cheap, plain and simple. They're cheap. 
they're not going to pay Starling Marte, give him some kind of crazy extension or anything like that. And he's kind of like that last notable piece left in Pittsburgh from like their two to three years that they like went to the postseason when they had McCutcheon and all those guys. I think they're going to cut ties with him. They're going to try to, to trade him for some younger pieces. I could definitely see him ending up on a team like maybe the Padres or even like the Mets. You know, I mentioned Mookie Betts going to the Mets. And while that's a long shot, someone like Starling Marte might not be. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, man. Marte, Marte is definitely one of those guys to keep an eye on. Because of the team he's on, his, his deal is a little bit friendlier than people might think. And he is a great athlete. He's a great center fielder. Kind of gets undervalued because he is in Pittsburgh. Nick, what about you, man? What trade do you see that might be on the radar that you would want to see or that might be happening? So I got two answers here. One, I see Noah Syndergaard going to the Padres. I see him going over to lead the staff and to be the guy. <clears throat> the Padres have plenty to give back. Um, but I'm going to kind of ride that that Pirates train. I think the entire Pirates team just gets wiped clean except for Bell. Uh, Charrington is going to try to start fresh. They have such a bad history of trades the last few years. I think Marte goes. I think Polanco goes. Um, I forget the shortstop's name who just came up, had a good year. But I just I see them cleaning house, getting rid of all the guys that are coming up on arbitration and could have some decent money coming their way. And I, I kind of see them as the Oakland A's of the NL where they're just going to try to nickel and dime their way through being successful and trying to find players and at some point just kind of bring it all together and, and be winning consistently. Yeah, and you mentioned something that was pretty that, that I think is going in the Pirates direction and that is that they have pretty good young talent. Um, you're thinking of uh, I want to say it's Ross Tucker, the shortstop. Um, they had Brian Reynolds who had some rookie of the year votes and you have um, I forgot who their pitcher is. I think it's Mitch Keller in the, that is uh, pitching for them who he came up this year or last year that's been pretty good for them too. So the Pirates are definitely have things to look forward to but with Ben Sherrington there you, you're going to see you're definitely going to see a lot of moves whether that be minor league moves or moves to just I don't know get new guys in that major league roster. Alright man now let's let, let, let's start having some more fun here. We're going to go start one bench one cut one. All right, I'm going to give you three guys. Let me know where you guys land on this, all right? We're going to start with you, Nick. All right, Anthony Rizzo, Freddie Freeman, and Jose Abreu. Start one, bench one, cut one, go. This is easy for me. I'm starting Freddie Freeman. I'm benching Jose Abreu, and I'm cutting Anthony Rizzo. Oh, man, no love for Rizzo. The guy has Not one no love, but giving me tough choices, but it's pretty clear cut for me. Well, that's all about tough choices, Nick. Yes. All right. Rob, who you got, man? Rizzo, Freeman, Abreu. All right. It's pretty clear for me, but it's going to be the other way. They, listen, Freddie Freeman is starting over every single first baseman that you name out there. He, I, to me, he's the most consistent guy in the league. And I'm benching Anthony Rizzo, and I'm cutting Jose Abreu. So you got All two right. lefties. You got no righty back there. I mean, man, I, look, I, I, just need, I just need the guy who I think has the most talent. And I'm going Rizzo over Abreu. You can't, you can't fight with that. You can't fight with that. Both of them playing in Chicago right now. Abreu, as we mentioned before, he's staying with the White Sox. Abreu's got also that. about 47. And he just led the AL and RBI. I was just saying, I'll take that righty off the bench if I need it. Listen, man. Abreu has that Cuban passport that we don't talk about. You know, we, we know that him and Puig were, were the biggest five-year-olds in preschool. But that's not the point. 
All right, let's go. Let's go for next list. I know this one might tug a little bit at Nick at uh, Rob's heart because two of his favorite players are on it. But we're gonna go to the shortstop position: Francisco Lindor, Javi Baez, and Trevor Story. And no, you can't do that weird bullshit where you're gonna have one of them play second or third. You gotta have them at a shortstop. So Lindor, Baez, Trevor Story. Who do you, who are you starting? Who are you benching? Who are you cutting, Rob? No, look, see, because what you tried to do was you tried to make me go against my own people, right? And that's just not going to happen <laughs> because you put Trevor Story in there. So Trevor Story obviously getting cut. Like, he he's gone. He's gone. And I'm going to bench Baez and I'm going to start Lindor because, you know, I'm, I got no hate. Lindor is just better than Baez. It's plain and simple. Oh, man. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to. Oh, you know what? He, it's been close. It's been closer than look, man. Baez has had some some pretty good last couple of years, and he's the cover boy for MLB The Show this year. So, Baez has some some, some things going for I'm him. I'm just saying, look, Lindor, Lindor, Lindor's coming to the Yankees, so I'm just getting myself prepared. Okay, that's that's all this is. You're you're absolutely right. I can't even fight you on that one, Nick. After all this ridiculousness, man, who do you got from uh, Lindor, Baez, and story? Star Wars veteran cut one. You can tell by my jersey selection. I have an official Lindor jersey in my closet. I have a replica Baez jersey in my closet. And I do not have a story jersey in my closet. So I'm starting Lindor. I'm benching Baez. And I'm cutting story. And it's really not even close. I love Baez. He's my third favorite player. But he is no Lindor. And he never will be. Guys, so I, I got to ask you guys. Do you think Trevor Story gets no love, man? Because I feel like he, is he, his, his stats are incredible every year. He's a Gold Glover caliber shortstop. Is, is it just, I don't know, why doesn't anybody like Trevor Story? Someone told me this. I think, look, Trevor, Trevor Story is great. Like, we're not, we're not trying to downgrade Trevor Story. But what's going to happen with Trevor Story is you're always going to have the people that throw the argument out there that he plays for the Colorado Rockies. So you'll keep an eye on what his numbers are looking at at, you know, the Rock at Coors Field. And to be true, to be truthful about it, the shortstop position is just a position that's getting flooded with talent. Like you have Lindor, you have Baez, you have someone like Glaber who might make the transition there this year fully if the Yankees don't end up acquiring Lindor. You know, you have other guys like Polanco, Xander Bogarts. There's so many guys in the conversation that yes, Trevor Story does get overlooked sometimes. He's getting overlooked for guys you know, that he's just that much better than. It's just that there there are guys that are just that much better than him. Yeah, we're in the golden age of shortstop, man. I mean, you didn't even mention Correa or Andleton Simmons or Brandon Crawford. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, like we, the field is so good and so deep. Like, Cal Ripken Jr. wouldn't be the best shortstop right now. And he's the greatest shortstop ever, arguably. And, like, no, Story, Story gets his fame. Trust me, NOS teams, they, they hate him. You know, they may think that he's the best shortstop, but... I mean, he is good. He's got a hose for an arm. I mean, he probably has the best arm out of the three. But like with Baez, I've never seen anybody add tagging as an ability or a skill on their baseball profile. He's the only person in the history of the game that can legitimately say, I tag people better than everybody else. And then Frankie, I mean, he's got the wheels. He's got the power. He's got the average. He's got the smile. Like, Lindor and Baez right there are so close. Story deserves the, the props, but he's just in – he played shortstop at the wrong time. Yeah, you can't you can't argue with Almago. Like, like if you're named a magician, you're probably going to win some shit. Yeah. All right, let's, let's, let's go to a mound. Let's go, let's go to a mound. I know this is uh, this Nick's territory. We're going to go Max Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom, Garrett Cole. Who you got? I'm going to start DeGrom. 
I'm going to bench Cole and I'm going to cut Scherzer. And the only reason I'm cutting Scherzer is because of the age. Okay. You know, we, we kind of forget about it. Cole's pretty up there too. He's, he's I think he's about to turn 30. So it's not like he's uh he's the freshest of, of uh free agents either. And DeGrom's pretty old too, man. He's he's 31, 32. All right, uh Rob, who you got? All right, so I'm starting DeGrom. Um the, the starting DeGrom was pretty easy for me. I'm I'm gonna be I I'm probably have DeGrom as my number one pitcher in the game right now heading into this season. So that was an easy start. And I'm actually gonna bench Scherzer and cut Cole. Now that might seem a little crazy because Cole you know had but I'm going to be consistent. I like guys who can show me like that stat line for mo- for like two or three seasons in a row. And this has just been one season that was spectacular for Cole. He had another decent season last year. I want to see him do it again this year. Also, if he goes to a different team because I've said it before I think Garrett Cole, while he is definitely talented, he like Garrett Cole is one, is one of the top 10, possibly making an argument for top five pitchers in the game, but he was definitely benefited from having that Houston Astros lineup backing him up every day. And I want to see what it's like, especially if he goes to a team like the Angels. I want to see what he's looking at when the offense might not be all there for him. Yeah, man. I mean, the Angels, Angels have notoriously right now been the place where stars go to die. So, uh, so, so we'll see what happens if he goes there. All right, the last one, there's the battle of the juniors. We're gonna go Ronald Acuna Jr., Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and Tatis Jr. Start one, bench one, cut one, we'll start with you, Rob. All right, so we're just going from right now, like as of today, as November 18th, 2019. Yeah, we're just gonna- Ronald. Yeah, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna start Ronald. Like that's easy because Ronald, same way we're talking about Mookie Betts and Francisco Lindor, that's exactly where where Ronald's headed. Like Mike Trout territory, like top five player. That's that's where Ronald like is headed, or he's there, like on the cusp already. So Ronald is getting the start, and I'm actually gonna bench Tatis Jr. and I'm gonna cut Vlad simply for today because I think Tatis Jr. was able to adapt a lot quicker to the MLB than Vlad was. Yeah, and you can see that just by the numbers. It took Vladdy a little bit to get adjusted. He kind of did come off flow. Uh, Nick, what about you, man? I'm going to start Tatis Jr. I'm going to bench Acuna Jr. And I'm going to cut Guerrero Jr. And the reason I'm starting Tatis over Acuna is the attitude on the field from what I see. I, I love Acuna. I love his I- – I do like his attitude out there. I think he plays the game with passion. I'm just afraid that if you're talking about for the rest of their careers, which is the way I looked at it, I'm afraid that his attitude is going to get him into trouble a little bit and he may not seek his full potential. And also, I'd rather have a shortstop that can play like Tatis Jr. plays rather than outfielder. I mean, outfielders are great, but I'd rather have a solid shortstop behind me as a former pitcher than I'd rather have a stud outfielder. I feel you on that. For, for me, and I think I would have Ronald Acuna Jr. over anybody in the game right now. And that's even with Mike Trout, and that's only because of the age difference. Uh, Acuna's really young. Not that Mike Trout's older or anything, but I think where Acuna's heading is Mike Trout-level kind of uh, consistency, hopefully. Wow, but you guys both cut Vladdy, man. Vladdy Jr. getting no love out here. You got to perform, uh, bro. You got to perform. You do? It's just based off of now. Based off of now, like, I can't give it to Vladdy right now. I'll say this about Tatis Jr. because it's something that um, people around the league has have concerns with. You shouldn't be 20, year, 20 years old with back issues 
it, it just shouldn't happen. So we'll, we'll see how that goes throughout his career. Carry that team. What do you expect? Uh, he, he has help, man. He got Machado now. He, he's all right. He's got he's got reinforcements coming. All right, man. Now we're gonna ask you a couple of uh non not really baseball related questions, just something to have fun with. So you know, for this, you guys don't know the question yet. So just kind of go off the top of your dome. If you had two players to have to to fight for the WWE Tag Team Championship, what two players? Are you sending into a ring? Nick, we'll start with you, buddy. So I got to ask, do they have to be current? They have to be current. We we're talking oh. about, yeah. All right. If they're current, I'll take Puig and Bumgarner on the same team. Let's do this. Wow. That's, yeah, that's, that's a lot of muscle. That's a lot of, yeah, that's a lot of, that's a lot of man right there. What about you, Rob? Who you got? I'm going to take the amazing team of Aaron Judge and Jose Altuve. The height difference is going to throw off those opponents. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my God. Be the Venezuelan yeah. hammer, their finishing move. You know? Dude, dude, Aaron Judge could use Jose Altuve as a weapon. Yo, like, that's the finishing move. He, he tosses it. It's called the dart. It's called the... Oh, you have a name for it and everything? Yeah, the dart. Here we go. Oh, my God. All right. that That's the most ridiculous visual I could possibly <laughs> see for, for one day. All right, let's see. Let's, let's, let's go next question. Who's the player you want to be be the most best friends with? Who, who's your Biffle in the MLB? Rob, we'll start with you, buddy. Uh, I'm going to have to go probably Javi Baez. Just because, I mean, that, listen, that dude just had swag, man. Like, I feel like I could just go out to the clubs with Javi Baez and, like, we, we just have all the attention on us. Uh, Nick, who do you got? Ditto. I'm going to go Javi Baez. And the major reason is I saw a special on him and his sister. Uh, who has, I believe, Down syndrome. But the stuff he's done to make her life better and to give back to his community and also the disabled community, that dude's just got a genuine heart and the passion that he has on the field. I would I would soak it up to be around that for a little bit. Are you guys, like, writing up Javi Baez's Tinder, dude? You guys like, oh, I'm a fun time, but I'm also a sweetheart. Like, come on, guys. You might be giving him too much credit. No, There's I'm just man. kidding. Javi Baez he is a great guy. He takes care of people. He takes care of people. And he's swaggy, too. There ain't no problem yeah. in that. Man, look, I need you guys to start writing reviews for people. All right. Next one. Next one. Who's a player you'd least like to get into a physical fight with? Nick, we'll go with you. Uh, I'm going to go Madison Bumgarner. I, I, being a Giants fan, you know, having a lot of Dodger fan friends, that whole back and forth between him and Puig, you know, there, there's, there's some serious division but there's something about the way that dude looks if he's mad and he's country boy strong and he's country boy big i i would not want to try to test any part of him rob who do you got oh that's a tough one man you know you know what i'd probably have to repeat and just go aaron judge simply for the height disadvantage i feel like aaron judge could just like close on me and then i'd be done he's like six eight probably like stomp on me a little bit yeah, I probably I probably have to go with Judge simply because like the dude the dude the freak with his height. Man, no one's gonna go Amir Garrett. This guy fought an entire team. <laughs> he, he he was out there throwing haymakers at everyone who wanted one. All right, we'll go we'll, we'll go last one, and this one I'm gonna give you a little bit of time to think about. So we're gonna say you're playing a three on three basketball game. Give me what three players you you want on the same team. We'll start with you, Rob. What 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 
what three players do you have on your three on three? Ah, uh, okay. One is Aaron Judge from the third time. I'm sorry. Oh my That's god. Basketball topic. I mean, he's like six eight, dude. Like he's essentially wow. a basketball player. Um, you're, right, you're right. You can't fight that. Uh, I'd probably, I'd probably go Judge, and then I'd probably, mm, I'd probably go someone like Puig, maybe, just because I feel like his his. Cubans do not play basketball. Get out of here. We'll teach him. We'll teach him. He'll be fine. We'll teach him. And then I'm, oh my God, I just don't want to feel like repeating answers, but like part of me is like hobby bias because like handles. I'm trying to think about this in a very basketball way. Um, I don't know. Listen, I'm going Glaber Torres. I'll go Glaber Torres just because like, I guess he can be like hobby bias light a little bit. Glaber Torres does not look like he's ever held a basketball in his life, man. I'm just saying, you threw this question on us. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of skill. That's the team I'm going with. We're winning the championship. That's it. Nick, please give me three better guys that are gonna beat Rob's team on a three-on-three because that list was was rough. I've ever heard of one, man. Who, who do you got, Nick? That was that was pretty bad. But uh, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna lead it off with Mookie Betts because he's just an athlete. I'm sure he can dunk already. Uh, he can. Uh, Mookie, yeah. d- Mo- Mookie Betts can dunk. That is verified. Yeah, I'm going to go with Mookie Betts. Uh, I'm going to go with Aaron Judge because of the height and the strength. You know, he'd be good down there. And then uh, just because I'd love to see him running around the court, I'm going to go Altuve. Oh, my God, man. Altuve, yeah. That, that... Can you imagine alley-oops, but instead of uh, Altuve to Judge, it would be Judge tossing up to Altuve? That would be what awesome. If Al- what if Altuve has, like, super hops and we just don't know it? No. He does. It needs to be super, super, super hops for him to get up yeah. to that rim. Nah, they'll just show it on TV. They'll make it cheat so he dunks on TV. <laughs> yeah. For real, though. For real. Man, my, my basketball team would probably be all of yours. I got Mookie Betts because he's, like I said, he's a superb athlete. You can't beat Mookie. I got D Gordon. D Gordon's a secretly sneaky athlete, man. He, I think he can also dunk. I, I, I think I've seen videos of D Gordon dunking. And the last guy, this guy was like an all-world athlete when he was in high school, and then that's Giancarlo Stanton, who's also a monster. Like, granted, we might have to do the whole time management thing just because he's a little fragile. Yeah, but, so he's only giving uh, you, like, five minutes. All I need is five minutes for the team has assembled. Like, come on. I'll put, I'll put Stan on Altuve. He's not going anywhere. All I see, look, all I see is you have someone on your team who needs load management. Nick has someone on his team who will be standing in the huddle trying to find out what the other team's plays are. And I'm just going to be out here teaching Puig to shoot 40-foot jumpers. Like I'm gonna win. I don't. See, I don't see how you're not seeing this. But he's gonna throw the ball through the backboard. That's the problem. Nah, nah. Don't come at Puig like that. Puig, Puig is most likely to get a technical foul within the first two minutes. Oh, in those two minutes, he also has about 13 points. I doubt that. <laughs> I, 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 no, you don't know how I'm about to teach this man to play. You, you know what? You still Nick's to pick him up. He could be their 18th like power forward. Fine, stop coming at my soul. We're supposed to All be right. talking baseball here. All right. Well, with that being said, man, we had, we had a little fun tonight. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time. We'll talk a little bit more about the Hall of Fame. Uh, see what's going on with free agency. Hopefully, we have a few guys signed. We'll keep looking at the trade market. You know, have a good week, guys. Hope, hope to see you guys here again. Thank you for listening to Diamond Talk and keep following us on SAW.
Peace. Hey guys, we want to thank you for listening to the Diamond Talk podcast presented by The Craft Factory. Stay tuned for the next episode. But until then, if you have any statements, comments, or you want your questions answered live on the podcast, feel free to email us at diamondtalkpodcast at gmail.com. That's diamondtalkpodcast at gmail.com. See you soon.